I got a lot of inspiration by talking to other people who have talked about mindset because they are actually people that have actually been transformed by having a solid mindset. Reading a book, you can kind of get it, but then you're like, okay, this is just a book. Maybe it's, you know, not really telling the truth. But when you talk to people who have actually been there and done that, you get a lot of benefit from that. Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast, hosted by Eric Nelson and brought to you by Wild Oak Capital. Eric is a real estate investor, business owner, and performance coach. Throughout this series, Eric explores the mindset behind why certain investors are so successful and how we can learn from their achievements and failures. Eric asks the tough questions around the habits, discipline, mindset, and more required to achieve the most ambitious goals. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Eric Nelson, and I'm super excited for the guest today. This is Kyle Mitchell with APT Capital Group. So welcome on, Kyle. Eric, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell us a bit about your background, kind of where you came from, what you were up to, and then what sort of led you to real estate? Yeah, my background is actually in the golf business, believe it or not. I grew up playing golf, started when I was 13, got hooked on it, and gradually got a part-time job during the summer. And then from there, I got a full-time job and then kind of kept getting promoted. I never thought I would be in the golf business for a long time, but it's one of those things where I stopped going to school for a little bit to play professionally. I got a promotion, then got another promotion, then another promotion. By the time I looked back, it was kind of, you know, 13, 15 years later. And I didn't really get a, an opportunity to really think about what I wanted to do long term. So the golf business was great for me. I loved it. But at a certain point, golf was shrinking and I wanted to be growing. And also, I was a little burnt out with uh, the property that I was working at. So probably around 2015, I was looking for another career opportunity and had a really tough time figuring out what I wanted to do. It actually took me two years to find multifamily, which is what I'm in now. But in 2010, I started investing in single family homes, a little bit of real estate here or there, quickly learned you can't scale with single family homes. So I stopped on that as well. But in 2017, you know, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now was like, well, you invest in real estate already, maybe that should be something that you do. And I had my real estate license too. So I started Googling some things online. And very quickly, I found multifamily, took a course, fell in love with it. 11 months later, I left my job to pursue this full time. And so now we're multifamily syndicators. We focus on BNC class value add in the Arizona market. So we've got four properties in Arizona, and that's what we do full time now. Awesome. So let's dive into to leaving your job. So you know, lots of people have a similar path. I mean, same for me. Says I bought some single family homes, bought one sixplex, and now I'm very focused on multifamily for that reason. It's it's hard to scale, right? You run out of money or you run out of resources, whatever it might be. And I think lots of people have that desire to leave their job to pursue it, but it does take some time. And sometimes that leap can be challenging. So can you dive into that a little bit? What was that like leaving? You know, was it scary? W would you take it back or change anything? It was definitely scary. And it's one of those things you just have to get over and, and kind of do. I am the type of person that once I go make a decision, I'm all in on it. So that definitely helped. But like I said, I wanted to leave my 
full-time position in 2015. I didn't actually leave it until 2017. So during that time, I saved up more money, built up a nest egg to be comfortable for a couple of years to make sure that I wouldn't be put in a position where I would have to go back and find another job in six months. But the biggest thing that helped me was the mindset piece was Tim Ferriss's fear setting exercise. If you've ever heard of that, it's in his four hour work week book and it's fantastic. And essentially it takes you through an exercise that says, what's the worst that can happen if you do this? And then what's the worst that can happen if that happens? And so I did that exercise and I came to the conclusion that the absolute worst that can happen is I would have to go get another job, which I was already in. So it was very easy to get over it at that point. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, we didn't have kids at the time. I was just about to get married. I said, this is the best time to do it or else I'm never going to do it. And if the worst thing that happens is I'm going to have to go get another job in the golf business, I'd be in the exact same spot where I am today. So I'm in my worst nightmare, you know, by working. (laughs) So, you know, and it's not that way for everybody, but that's the conclusion that I came up to, you know, yeah, I would have less of a savings account, but that savings account wasn't big enough to, you know, have me retire on the beach and, and just sitting there sipping cocktails all day. It's just, it wasn't that much money. And so there's no real impact to your life when you don't have that. So I just looked back and said, let's do this. And, you know, that, that was a, an exercise that really changed my life. No, I've actually, so I listened to that book maybe a year ago or so and and something similar happened with me. It was like, well, what is the worst scenario? So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. So if you had to do it all over again, though, do you think, do you think you would have left earlier? Do you think, you know, it was a good timing? I mean, if you had to change something going back and leaving that job, is there anything that you can give the listeners? I definitely would have left earlier. You know, I wish I would have found the fear setting exercise earlier. Although I was still learning at my current position and did learn so much that I now apply to my business now um, and my company. But yeah, if I would have left two years earlier, I'd be in a better position for sure. I'd have felt more comfortable quicker. But things happen for a reason and you can't look back and say, you know, you wish you did this, you wish you did that. You need to focus on kind of your current and future goals. And that's what we're doing. So, but if I had to pick one thing, it would be that I would have started sooner. Awesome. So you guys just moved to Phoenix area, right? And you were living in LA? Correct. So I am, depending on when this goes out, I'm le- I'm moving in like two weeks. So by the time this airs, I, it probably will be just moving to Scottsdale, Arizona. And that's where we do business. And that's one of the main reasons why we're moving out there. It's also cheaper, but you know, if we weren't doing business out in Arizona, we definitely wouldn't be making that move. But this business is all about building relationships and long-term relationships and really understanding your market. And so those are the things that I'm going to be able to do much better when I live there 24 seven versus visiting every other week for 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. So let's kind of jump into that a little bit. So, you know, you know, I've talked before, we know each other a little bit. And I remember you telling me that you did that. You basically, you and Gary basically jumped in the car and drove there every other week. Is that, is that how you guys became partners was the first question. And second of all, would you recommend multifamily people to travel to the market that often? So Gary and I met through a meetup that is local to Southern California that we had both been attending for probably a year. So we knew each other, but not know, we didn't know each other very well. He knew I was going out there every other week or once a month. At the beginning, it was once a month because I still had my full-time job. But once I left, it was every other week. He asked if he can join me on one of those trips. And so we drove out there and you know, you're spending 16, 18 hours in the car with someone you get to know them 
pretty quickly. And so we would leave at four in the morning, you know, get to Phoenix around nine and then not get back till nine or 10 at night the following day or that day because we were touring properties all day. So we did that a few times. We clicked, really saw eye to eye with one another, really worked well. We still did our first two deals under our separate umbrellas until we formed our APT Capital Group company. Eventually, we wanted to scale. And in order to scale, we needed to combine companies. But the first two were just to make sure that we could work well together. And then as far as considering traveling to your market, there's a reason why I'm moving to my market because I want to know it better and I want to build better relationships. Right. And so the more you're in your market, the better you're going to be able to do that. So, you know, I don't know if there's a rule of thumb or every two weeks is the right number or once a month, but you definitely need to be in your market or have someone that lives there as boots on the ground. If you live in California and you're investing in Florida, but you have your partner who lives in Florida, you know, that's a different situation than Gary and I are in right now where we both live in Southern California, which is why we travel to Arizona a lot. But we're also a group that is going to really know and love our market and understand it and understand all the fundamentals. And so the only way to do that is really not by reading market reports. It's by going out, building relationships, watching the city gentrify in front of your face and grow and know where to invest, how to invest, when to pivot. And so living there, you know, or visiting it often is going to be much more beneficial than sitting behind a phone and reading market reports and talking to brokers. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's amazing the relationship piece of it. And talked about this on another episode was like the intangibles, right? Things you can't really see in a report or in OM or something that says, okay, well, this is a great neighborhood or the broker says that, you know, and I gave this example, I was in Tulsa and it's seemingly a good neighborhood, this deal we were looking at, but we got there and it, it was the small pocket. And we, we later learned from other property managers, yeah, that, that pocket's super tough. But if you never traveled there, if you never went there on paper, that deal would look great. So yeah, to have like the, the local knowledge, it's going to be so awesome for you guys. So congrats oh, yeah. on the move. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've got a great example. There was a 2008 build building in Phoenix and 2008 very sought after product. And it was slap dab in the middle of the worst area in Phoenix, but you wouldn't know it because the OM didn't state that, right? And the brokers aren't going to relay that type of information. So unless you dug in a little bit deeper, you thought, man, 2008 product for this price, this you know, the rents are well under market. This is fantastic. Well, the rents weren't well under market because the area is terrible. You know, it's an affordable property and you're going to have a ton of crime. And so it's really important to get out to your market, never buy sight unseen, especially when it comes to multifamily. I know people do it with single family. I'm guilty of that myself. Wouldn't suggest it going forward. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're dealing with multifamily, you're dealing with a multi-million dollar business, and it could be upwards of 10, 20, 50 million dollars. And when you have other people's money involved in it, you need to do your due diligence and you need to understand everything about that market and that submarket and that general area and the property itself. You're really a fid- a fiduciary to your investors' money. You need to act like it. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. I mean, if it's if it's your money, you you're in your wife's, perhaps. And you're buying a single family in Florida, you know, you guys can take that risk. But in a scenario where it's other people's money, you really have to be there. You really have to take care of that. It's a different risk factor and mindset around, okay, this isn't just, I'm not just risking my own money. Right. So yeah, I appreciate what you said. So do you guys still own any other single families? Are you kind of completely out of that now? I am selling one on Tuesday and I will have one left out of my portfolio (laughs) and I can't wait to get rid of that one either. But uh, (laughs) yeah, down to one, I was up to 10 at one point 
And so I'm happy to put that money back into our multifamily company. Yeah. Again, I think I hear that transition quite a bit where people say, okay, I had an, I, I kind of built this portfolio of single families. I want to scale. And then it seems like you kind of sell those off once you dive into multifamily and have some success. So I've heard that story before. So that's, that's interesting. So let's switch gears a little bit here. You guys have two podcasts, right? We do. And can you kind of talk about those a little bit and, and what's the reason for two different ones? Yeah. So the first podcast that came out two years ago is the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. And really that is to educate passive investors on things they should know before they really get into their first deal about different asset classes and about the industry itself. And we've had that for two years, like I mentioned. I wasn't planning on starting another podcast, but then when we formed APG Capital Group, Gary and I we came up with a niche that we were really heavily focused on right now, which is asset management, which is all the things that you do after you close on a deal. And Gary and I have a lot of experience doing that, management and operations, that is. And so we decided we wanted to launch a conference and a book around it. And we said, why not also launch a podcast around it? And so that one is called Asset Management Mastery. And it talks about all the things that you should know from systems and processes about how to manage a property once you close on it. You know, a lot of people think, hey, I'm just going to hand this over to a third party property management company and they'll handle it. And that's a big no no. And, you know, they're essentially taking millions of dollars and implementing your business plan for you. You need to have systems and procedures in place to hold them accountable. And that's what asset management is about. Yeah, I I really think that those those two things are kind of underserved, right? Is you have this niche that obviously you're smart and started those two things is one is what do you need as a passive investor? You know, because you guys should do due diligence as well. If you're, if you're partnering on this deal, sure, you want to trust the sponsors and you probably want to see some, either you know them or maybe you see a track history, right? But there's some, there's some knowledge to be had there. And so it's, that's a really cool niche that you guys are doing. And asset management, same thing is exactly that. It's the manager will, will manage the day-to-day, but you need to manage your manager. And so uh, is your book come out yet? I think I saw it on social media. Are you guys? We did a teaser. So that'll be coming out at the end of June. Really excited. June 29th is a launch date, which is right after our summit's launching. That one's going to be called Best in Class. And it'll be kind of our step-by-step guide on asset management. And I think there's a lot of great nuggets in that book. For people who are just getting started in multifamily, that's the one area that's just not taught as much as it should be. And so I think this is one of those books where you can flip to a certain chapter if you're at that point, whether be due diligence or investor relations, project management, and just flip to that chapter and, and get some golden nuggets. Yeah, I totally agree. So I've kind of done like the boot camp thing, you know, like a weekend and you, you know, these coaches, and there's a ton of value there, right? You learn so much, but it seems like the one piece is once you close the property, then what? You know, it's, it's like right. the whole, the whole class is teaching you how to kind of to acquire those things, but then the business plan and how to implement that plan. I agree. It's just kind of like, it seems to be lost, at least in the education world now. So kudos to you guys. So tell us about the summit a little bit. Is it going to be virtual live? I mean, are you sure yet? Yeah, we're going to go virtual. I know some people are going live and we really wanted to, but to be honest, we're just going to be safe and go virtual this year. And then next year will be a live event. But the good part about the virtual event is that it's completely free. So the live event, we definitely will have to charge for. But so last year we had 1800 people. This year we're shooting for 2,500. I mean, it's completely free education. All we want to do is get the word out that, hey, 
Closing your first deal is great. Raising capital is great. Finding a deal is great, but you have to learn how to manage your assets on the back end. Because again, it's a multi-million dollar business, right? And if you don't know how to manage that, you're going to be in trouble. And so especially now, I mean, the last 10 years, you could have gotten away with it because the market was rising. But now we're kind of in a little bit of a bumpy time and you really need to operate your properties well, and the best operators are gonna separate themselves. So we're all about teaching those types of things when it comes to leasing or due diligence or investor relations, like I mentioned, a lot of great speakers, and I encourage everyone to, to attend because it is free, and they could sign up at amsummit2021.com. Awesome, that's really cool you guys are doing it for free, and I did look at the speaker list, and it looks like you have some unreal people, I mean, really knowledgeable, really sought after speakers. So cool that you can offer that for free. I'll put it on a calendar. So you'll see you'll have one person at least. (laughs) No, I'm sure it'll be a great showing. So that's really cool. Let's talk about raising capital. You touched on that a little bit. That's something I think some people, you know, are challenged with, or maybe if they start this business, they say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to ask people for money is, is what you hear. Right. So can you speak to the mindset around raising capital and why asking people for money is kind of a myth. Yep. It is a total mindset shift for sure. And there's two ways I think about it. Number one, you shouldn't be asking for money. You know, you're not a salesperson trying to sell a car. You're trying to offer them an opportunity. And honestly, if it really is a good opportunity and you're putting your money where your mouth is and, and you've done your due diligence, then it should be a great return for this person. So there's no reason you should be asking for money. You should be offering something and offering value and and great returns and a great deal. And so when you shift your mindset to that and think about what you can do for your investor, which is completely true, we can offer you a 16% return on your money. You can't get that everywhere, right? A lot of people don't know about this asset class. So come from it from a place of value, adding value and educating your investor. And no longer are you asking them for money, you're offering them a great solution to some of the problems that they're having, right? So I think that's the number one thing. But overall, this is a long-term relationship. You're not going to just walk up to a person and say, hey, can I get $50,000 for this great deal? It's 16% returns, you know, because everyone in this industry is offering around the same returns. Ultimately, it comes back, back down to knowing, liking, and trusting your sponsor. And that is done by building relationships over a long period of time. I mean, we're still building relationships with people three years later, right? And that's fine. And if they don't invest, no big deal because we're adding value to them. We're educating them along the process. And ultimately, what we want for our investors or even people that don't invest with us is for them to get educated in this space, for this space to become more of a mainstream type of investment because we really believe in it and watch people's wealth grow because of it. I mean, that is the ultimate goal. So if you take your mindset out of you, you, you and put it back onto how can you help other people? They say this all the time, you know, the more people you help, the more you get back in spades and it's completely true. You've got to shift your mindset there help other people, add value to other people, and it will become much easier. Yeah, that's awesome. Great answer all around. So we'll kind of shift into these are, there are six questions that I'll ask every guest, dive in as far as deep as you want, or just, you know, they can be quick, whatever you prefer. So the first one is, do you have a morning routine? You know, my morning routine has changed quite a bit over the last 12 months with COVID. It's definitely changed. I used to be a miracle morning person where I did all six savers. I won't go to each and every one of them. But essentially now, yes, every morning what I do is I write down an affirmation that I've been writing down for 
over a year now. And I just continue to write it down. It just basically pushes me to remind me that, you know, I want to achieve certain goals. And then every morning I read my current year goals. So 2021 goals for the year that I set out. And then I also have a five-year goal plan with my wife that I read every day too. And so that really helps me get my mindset right in the beginning of the morning to, you know, help me push through the day. And then I also work out in the morning as well. So those are the major things that I do every morning. Awesome. Okay. What books are you reading now or what books do you recommend? I'm not currently reading a book, but the book that I really recommend right now, just because if you're just getting started, you're just trying to figure this stuff out. You know, everyone says Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a fantastic book, but Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant was the one that changed my life because you really understand where you should be in, in your career. You know, you want to be on the right side of the quadrant, a business owner or an investor to get the best tax benefits and best benefits overall versus being self-employed or a W-2 employee. And so I love that book. I always talk about that one. Another great book was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight that I read more of an autobiography, but a really amazing book. And you get to see why he was so successful because he pushed through a lot of perseverance and he was just consistent with what he did. And so I just thought that book was phenomenal. Yeah. You said a handful of things in there that I really love. So, I mean, Robert Kiyosaki, he's helped so many people. You're, and you're right. I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's kind of the, the classic, but I completely agree. And, and in kind of part of this mindset thing is cash flow Quadrant talks to that. It's change your mind is you don't have to punch the clock and you can actually you know achieve the things that you that you want to achieve and then also exactly what you said is get all the benefits from from those so awesome recommendations i wrote those down so every time i do this i have like my my reading list is growing so this this is (laughs) awesome okay the next one is i've actually decided to change this question because it used to be what's the biggest mistake but i think it's more what's the biggest learning opportunity that you had, you know, if something you would have done differently looking back, that could help our listeners moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go to the cliche starting earlier. When I started investing in single family homes, one of the things that I, the reason why I started investing out of state was because I had a bad experience in California with it being a landlord or a tenant friendly state. And so I said, I'm never again going to invest in a tenant friendly state. And so My first investment was in Arkansas, one of the most landlord-friendly states around. Then I did Ohio, also pretty landlord-friendly in the city that I was investing in. But then I kind of got dollar signs in my eyes when I saw Chicago. Chicago's cash flow was two, three times more than I was making at my other properties in my single-family homes. And I forgot my number one rule. And so I bought houses there and the landlord tenant laws there are awful and it takes a long time to get out. I also invested in C minus product. And so I followed the cash flow, which is important to have cash flow. But the reason why the cash flow is so high there versus other places is, you know, taxes are super high in Chicago. It's not landlord friendly. There's a bunch of different things in there, but essentially I broke my number one rule to myself, which is don't invest in tenant friendly states, only invest in landlord friendly states. No, I love that. Next one would be what mindset tips can you give someone starting out to propel their goals? I know we've talked to hand, you know, talked about this leading up to now, but you know, if someone's getting started, is there a kind of a couple tips that you can give to shift that mindset of it's impossible or I can't or I don't know anything about this? Yeah, you know, I used to be that person and I would just tell them to read books and talk to other people. I got a lot of inspiration by talking to other people who have 
talked about mindset because they are actually people that have actually been transformed by having a solid mindset. Reading a book, you can kind of get it, but then you're like, okay, this is just a book. Maybe it's, you know, not really telling the truth. But when you talk to people who have actually been there and done that, you get a lot of benefit from that. And so I'm one of those people that never used to do the mindset stuff. And if you look back to when I first started the mindset stuff to where I am now, there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of the mindset stuff is why I'm here. I would just say, get out there and talk to people, you know, definitely read your books and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to mindset, it's just like working out. It's something you have to do consistently and you got to stay on top of it or else it's just going to go right in the trash again. So start small, maybe it's one thing a day, and then then you can build on that and add two or three things. But it's certainly something you need to be consistent on. Yeah, fully agree. I mean, it's exactly that. It's a muscle. I agree as well. And one thing you mentioned was talking to people who are ahead of you. So, you know, I've gained so much from being in groups or even in like a, a local meetup where the person running the meetup was just ahead of where I was in my investment career. And just to ask them questions and to hear someone that's done it say, yeah, you know, I was scared too, but it's possible that can change your mind in itself. So awesome tip. So this next one's a two-part question. One is if someone asked you what makes you successful, what would you say? And then the second part is, you know, how do you define success? My consistency is the reason for my success. You know, I'm I was not connected to anyone better than the average person and I've not done anything other than be consistent. And I always tell people that if you're consistent, you'll beat out 95% of your competition because most people have a tough time being consistent, doing something every month or every week, the same thing every week for three years. Yeah, someone can do it for six months, but can you do it for three years, five years, 10 years? And that's one thing that is one of my superpowers is I'm extremely consistent and disciplined on that kind of stuff. And that's really what's led me to my success. My idea of success is consistently changing. At one point, I wanted to be the biggest buyer in Arizona. Now I'm at the point where I want to be able to educate people on you know, multifamily and this asset class and how to build wealth through it also build our wealth through it, but not so much that I'm not enjoying life. You know, I want to take time to enjoy life with my wife and travel and be able to spend time with family. And that's really important to me right now and something I want to focus on even more over the next three to five years. That doesn't mean that I'm going to take my eye off the ball with growing our company. We've got a lot of huge goals, but consistent growth with balanced expectations, I think is is my overall goal. You know, life is not just work and business, it's business and family. And so I'm really working on that balance right now. Awesome. Cool, Kyle. Well, thank you so much for being here. Next thing would be is, is where can people connect with you? Where can they find more about you? Yeah. Best place is amsummit2021.com. You know, we're really pushing that summit and we're really passionate about educating people in that space. If you want to find out more about our company, you can go to aptcapitalgroup.com. We've got a free passive investors guide on there for anyone that wants to learn the things you should know before you get into your first passive investment. Awesome. Yeah. And then social media and all that stuff is connected on your site as well, I assume. Yep. Right on, Kyle. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. This is great. And I, I, you know, I just really love your knowledge and exactly that your consistency. I mean, you have two podcasts going, going for a long time and you just keep every week hammering out good information. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content today, 
please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to head over to wildoakcapital.com for more information or to connect with Eric directly. Please take a moment to leave a review or tell a friend about what you've listened to today. We hope you'll tune in again soon.